Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. The checkered flag is waving and Jacques Villeneuve wins the 1995 Indianapolis 500. The youngest driver in the field at 24 years of age has won at Indianapolis. Honey Lazier, the final turn of the day. He has it made. He's just got to keep it between the white lines. Here to call the finish, Bob Jakin. The 1996 Indianapolis 500 is won by Buddy Lazier. Ari Leyendike headed to the start-finish line to call the finish. Here's Bob Jakin. Ari Leyendike wins the 1997 Indianapolis 500, the 81st running of this edition by seven-tenths of a second over Scott Goodyear. Eddie Cheever, he's going to get his first. Eddie around through four, his hand pumping in the air. He heads for the finish here to call it Bob Jenkins. In his ninth start, Eddie Cheever wins the 1998 82nd running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. And we are underway. Practice for the Indianapolis 500, a full day complete, and then some starting at 10 a.m. today. Hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the big show tonight. 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. Some highlights courtesy of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network from the 90s. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Eddie Garrison put that together. Sam Fritz is stepping in. In the downtown Indianapolis studios tonight, full day of practice, no incidents, rookie orientation complete, fast cars and more. Kurt, I believe I've said everything there is that I have to say today, so hopefully people are watching Peacock sitting in the chair for eight hours. So take it away. You tell us what you uh, observed today and what you would like to discuss. Well, I had a chance after the session was over to talk to Alex Pillow and Marcus Erickson. And I phrased the question to both of them. Uh, by the way, we're now TikTok stars at uh, IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Anyway, I asked him about the beatdown of Chip Ganassi Racing because at, by about 4 o'clock, 4.30, they were running 1, 2, 3, 4 and running consistently there all day. Scott Dixon came right out of the box, laid a huge number on that, that uh, stayed – stayed firm at the top of the pylon at 229 nearly 0.2 and it wasn't until pretty late in the day that Takuma Sato bested that at 229.4 it just felt like it felt like we picked up the needle in the song and put it right back to where we were playing the music last year Ganassi 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 and they've reloaded with Takuma Sato in that that fourth entry and they're going to be really good. I, I I heard one of the drivers say, yeah, we're all chasing Ganassi. So I can't tell you which one it was because I don't remember, but I think every driver would have said something to that effect through most of the day. Santino Ferrucci hung a big number. I was impressed with some other guys who we'll get to in this show. But the thing you didn't mention, by the way, despite all the cars on the racetrack, it was beautiful today. My goodness, for as much uh, ugliness as we had yesterday with with rain if you were in central indiana today and you weren't outside 
there's something wrong because it was gorgeous it was pleasant there was a light breeze and we had race cars so good fun today I believe we are expecting the same tomorrow. Do you have the speed chart? I've gone over it many times. It's your turn to go over the speed chart today. Yep, yep. Takuma Sato at 229.439 and Scott Dixon at 229.174. The other one to uh, note as Santino Ferrucci runs 228.977. But as we all know, they run in packs uh, or at least in, in groups. Uh, packs may be a strong word, but they run in groups and you got toes all over the place and you've got, so you got inflated speeds, but I think, you know, that's how the race is going to be run. So I, I always put more into it than, than just, uh, you know, well, people will say that's not how they're going to qualify. Well, I get that. But if you've got a strong race car and can run in the, in the lead group, then you've got a strong race car for race day. Now we got what, three more days two more days of practice before qualifying. Then we've got the Monday practice from, from one to three on, on that day. So there's another session plus carb day. So we got a lot of time left. I asked Tim Sindrick, by the way, after the session, I said, okay, so you'll watch a day like today. And you had Scott McLaughlin in the fifth spot. And by the way, you asked me to kind of run down more of those. Scott McLaughlin rounded out the top five with Polo fourth. Then it was Colton Hurd and Marcus Erickson, Ryan Hutteray, a good day for Dryan Reinbold, uh, Joseph Newgarden, ninth, and Marco Andretti in the tenth spot. I could go on down through the list, but uh, the point is, I asked I asked Tim Sendrick, when will you really have a feel for having a good car or not? As you watch all these different practice days, you know, and I was asking him relative to a race car, not necessarily a qualifying car. And he said, look, I, I don't get too worked up until carb day, and then I can see where we're really at. That's that's really what matters to me is carb day. So anyway, a lot of miles to travel between then and now. The other one, by the way, I'd single out a couple more drivers. Uh, our friend Augustine Canapino was, you know, struggling, I guess, on the relative to the speed chart. He may not have been struggling. I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the practice, but – he was down, you know, near the bottom for a long time today and then jumped all the way up to 10th, finished 22nd. You know, that's kind of the story of his IndyCar season of, you know, ending up ahead of some some very good race car drivers. Again, I wouldn't t- too much into the speed chart, but he was ahead of Felix Rosenquist. He was ahead of Ed Carpenter. He was ahead of, uh, you know, even his teammates. So, he considers uh, Canapino can, continues to impress. He was 10th at one point, jumped up yeah. there. And when he was down near the bottom, I, I actually didn't have a whole lot of concern with it. I had some concerns about his teammate because he wasn't new to this track. Um, but it would make sense that Canapino was still feeling things out. And when the other car is just lost, he's not getting any direction from there. Uh, so where he finished the day, right on target, going well. Uh, Kalamailat is is another story. Now, they made progress. Um, so if you were just joining us at the April test, that car was diabolical to the point where he felt something was broken. And we either got to find what's broken or we've got to get a new tub, a new chassis, because this one doesn't work. And they went out 
at noon today, and it was still pretty bad from what I hear. And I'm getting this secondhand, but I'm also just watching the, the speeds and talking to James Hinchcliffe next to me, who would understand this sort of thing. And he's running 212, 213, 215 tops. And Dylan Welch, our reporter, is on pit lane, you know, sharing what we guessed. And to the point where eh, we don't know what else we can do. We might have to change the chassis because that's what Callum told me yesterday. If this doesn't work, we got to change the chassis and we would lose the entire day if it doesn't work. So we'll just keep running today. Hope we can learn something. If we have to change the chassis, we'll do it tonight. Well, they did get better. Started running 219, 220. Eventually got up to, with a toe, 223. So they may be in the ballpark, but um, unless they change the chassis tonight. So that's what I'm curious. If anybody has talked to them or seen anything on social media. So they're kind of in a tough spot. It almost would be easier if they were still 215 and they know they had to do something. But now they're just slow. And they are going to sweat it out to make this race. So let you I mean you gave two twenty three four Kurt? as kind of kind of a uh, a positive sign for the end of the day. Did I lose? No, they. Am I not there? So Callum Eilat was thirty fourth out of thirty four cars. So you know he may have ran two twenty three four, but he's a half a mile an hour more or more from RC Enerson in the thirty third spot and. You know, we're going to watch the last row shootout, to, you know, develop over the next few days. And, you know, from Eilat's standpoint, if he was going to avoid that, he'd need to run a full mile an hour faster than he's running so far. So now it's day one. I wouldn't get too excited about it, uh, but you're right. He's got he's got work to do. They've got work to do. And if this car needs to be replaced uh, the chassis, then they need to, they need to do so. And, and I kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they do overnight. Uh, the bottom four, cause we'll talk about that a lot over the next few days Two Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan cars and Catherine Legg and Christian Lungard, RC Enerson and Callum Eilat. But I want to get back to some of the other feel goods and a team that, that, uh, that looked great today was Dryer and Reinbold. You know, their first their first action, you know, they ran the test back in April, but otherwise their first test really in a year. And you had Ryan Hutteray in the eighth spot, ran 227.6. And you had, uh, where is Stefan Wilson? He was 15th at 226.2. So the dry arrival fellows, they came out of the box pretty well today. And, and I thought they looked good in traffic. Hunter Ray was, was running in a group of his old friends for, for quite some time. It is as unusual to see him in a black car, by the way, uh, not the DHL colorful yellow and the various colors that go with that car that Romain Grosjean drives now, but uh, he looked good. He looked good. And I'm, I'm happy for him. Did you cover the Hunko story before I was interrupted? Did you did you tell did. that story of what they're dealing with? Yeah, I did, and you got okay. most of it out. But uh, by the way, and I was talking about the the Ray Hall Letterman uh, cars. In the interest of fairness, uh, Jack Harvey, uh, while the, you know I mentioned that they had two down in the bottom four, uh, Jack Harvey was eleventh, so a good first day for him. Yeah, and Graham was thirteenth. So, so a mixed bag. 
So when you have a mixed bag, you you know you're optimistic that that the bottom two can pull toward more toward the top two. And uh, so mixed bag for Ray Hall, but it's day one and nobody's getting too excited one way or the other. Any comment from Hunkos and what I was starting to get to, and I don't know when I was disconnected. I, I'm still curious uh, if they decide this is not enough. We need more. We need to change the chassis or if they just continue to try down this path. And by the way, Callum Eilat has felt they've just been slow all year. Yes, they've had a couple of good results, but he would be very honest and say, we haven't had any pace at any time all year, whatever the circuit is. So nothing that I've seen uh, reported or posted on social media from from Hunkos or about their situation. They were off the track, uh, you know, before I had a chance to see them. Uh, I was down on pit lane for for quite a few minutes after the session, or you know, in the ten minutes before the six o'clock hour came, and and then for about twenty minutes after, and never saw any of them. So uh, I don't have an update for you. So I just pulled up uh, a story from IndianapolisStar.com, written by Scott Horner, to see if they have a note that was posted thirteen minutes ago on that um, to see if we have any more intel. So I, I just fear that that's going to be a prolonged story for the rest of the week. And I want to hear from the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan people as well, because it's just so hard to tell as you've talked about you, you know, you're getting uh toe laps, which does matter. That's how you race. You race with a toe, but you got to make the race first and somebody is not going to make the race. So you have to look at ultimate speed. And when you do see a couple of them down there, at the bottom and from listening to Christian Lungard being interviewed, I got a sense that he had some concern about some things. So that's one to watch. Uh, I feel like the RC Enerson able motorsports camp is in a good spot without doing the open test. The fact that they weren't last, I think that's a real positive today was a learning day. And I think we'll get a better idea of where they're at tomorrow. There's really no one else. You know, someone is going to be in peril, but I don't have another candidate at this point. I feel that everyone else would probably feel pretty decent about where they're at. Yes? Yeah, I think it's it's at, le- at least one Hunko's car. Could be either one of them. I think you'd be concerned if you were able, and you'd be concerned if, if you know, Ray Hall, given how they've run this season, that one of those cars might might drift in. And then, then we've typically had a surprise down there. So, uh, you know, somebody's going to have an incident before the qualifying session is settled, and then they're going to be scrambling. So, so we'll say that somebody is going to be in that mix that we haven't haven't nailed down now one team we haven't really talked about so far in this this quick assessment is Errol mclaren rossi 19th award 20th canon 23rd and Mm -hmm. rosenquist 27th so when your best car is 19th now again we're going to say it a thousand times during this hour-long show we we can't derive too much out of today and yet here we are analyzing it, but still it gets laid early around this place, as we say often on this show. I tend to think that they're fine, but it is worth noting. that That's worth noting. And if there, it's that way tomorrow, then it's definitely worth noting. But it you'd have to have watched those cars 
and spent the entire day. So, for example, they know, their spotters know, people that are sitting up in the grandstands that are very astute, but even then it's hard to keep an eye on all 33 cars, but you could kind of have a sense by where they are in traffic because to get that ultimate lap, uh, you need to, it's not just getting a toe, being behind someone, too close is bad. You need one car in front of you and you need to be, you know, ideally 25, 30 car lengths and just a quick faster than them and catching them. But it's one car, not five, it's one or two that really gets you the big toe. Because if it's five, six, seven, uh, then you're talking about what they call dirty air. And then it just becomes a little bit more difficult in that aspect. So you'd have to look at the circumstances and it's possible that they didn't spend a whole lot of time when the conditions were best in the first hour or the last hour where they had that circumstance. And they may have just decided today, we're not hunting for that. And maybe they don't even want to be at the top of the speed charts. We want to work on today running in the middle of the pack and running with ourselves and running full fuel. Maybe they're working on fuel mileage today and seeing what that is. So, yeah, you, you just never know what it's at. But all we have are the speeds that are listed. So that's where you start from. So I asked Jack Harvey today, I said, at the end of the session, I said, how much of your day was committed to working on qualifying and how much was work, working on race simulations? He said about 50-50. He said we were back in the garage uh, after the qualifying portion, trying to get ready for the next part. And he said, we were back there a little longer than I wanted, so we didn't quite get as much time, but I'd say it was 50-50. So I thought, you know, it's just that's an example of you don't know what people are working on when and and at what time during the day. In, in fairness to some of the other teams, we have listeners, obviously, who are fans of the teams that we haven't yet covered. Ed Carpenter Racing, Connor Daly was 14th. Uh, Ed Carpenter was 28th, and Renus VK, who I thought ran really well based on, you know, the group he was in, he finished up 18th. So a little difficult to uh, to uh, nail that down in terms of, of you know, his performance. The uh, Meyer Shank Racing Team, Simon Pagino, 17th, Elio, 24th. The A.J. Foyt Team, they were third with... Santino Ferrucci, who is, you know, just as giddy as you could be as he normally is, just a high-energy guy in the post-practice uh, media session. He was third. And Benjamin Peterson, the rookie, he was 21st. And I think the only other team, well, I guess we haven't covered the Andrettis, Kirkwood 25. Marco, as I mentioned, was 10th. Um, let's see. Grosjean, he was down a little ways. And I'm not sure who 30th. else I'm missing. Or Herta was sixth. So, yeah, he was 30th. Grosjean was. And then Dale Coyne Racing, David Malukas was 16th. And where is Stingray Rob? He was 26th. I think that I think that covers everybody. Um, I, I laughed there because I'm looking at the timesheet on the video board. And it calls, it has last names and it says Ray Rob. Uh, so they don't, they don't know that sting Ray kind of goes together as a first name, but we can work on that. Um, you, when you look at the Ed Carpenter team, yes, they're down, not super high. Connor is a little bit beyond mid pack and the others are down a little further, 
But last I saw, with a few minutes to go, I didn't check right at 6 o'clock, but I don't think anything changed. They were one two five on the no-toe report. And I did see a comment as I scrolled social media that the no-toe report does not matter today. Um, I don't know. The guy who won the poll here and started on the front row a few times sitting next to me seemed to think the no-toe report mattered. So I trust him uh, in that case. And here's why it mattered. Because drivers told us, that they were working at times on qual sims. Ultimate speed still matters. Now, the Ganassi team, last I heard, were not working on qual sims, which, by the way, is quite scary. Uh, but but yeah. maybe not. Be- because, because, you know, you, you need to be more in race trim to take advantage of the toe. You need to, to, to be fully trimmed out. You need to run by yourself, um, which means you're not going to get the benefit of that toe so it's kind of mix and match on that front. But, you know, to me, that means, though, that they probably weren't running a light fuel load, that they just are that fast. And that's pretty scary to everybody else. Kevin, let me, uh, let me see if this is accurate. You may have noticed because you were, you know, in tune with how the day was beginning. Did Scott Dixon post that lap literally like on his fifth time by? Was it that early? Real close. It was in the first 10 minutes. He, he did yeah. a 227 about the first time I started looking at speeds. I looked up, uh, you know, and I saw a 225 by somebody. And then 30 seconds later, that 227. And then the next lap was the, the 229. I know it was within, well, I, I'll say, I feel pretty confident it was within the first 10 minutes. It, see, that's what, if I was... You know, one of these teams with designs on winning the Indianapolis 500, that that would scare me to death because he did that before the before the big group was running. He just rolled off the truck and ran 229 almost assuredly by himself. Now, I would also point out, as you did, that the weather was perfect at 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 uh, that time of the day. It obviously Mm -hmm. was very conducive, but everybody else had a chance there in that first, you know, 30 to 40 minutes to go out. And, and, and by the way, it really never got not perfect today. It was beautiful all day. So if you went, you ran a qualifying sim, yeah, it was probably better odds that that you were going to turn a quick lap in the first hour or the last hour. But for him to just roll off the truck and say, get out of my way, here I come. (laughs) uh, He made a statement. Uh, You know, the trivia question is, which driver has won three consecutive polls at Indianapolis? And the answer is none of them. Uh, mm. This one could be Scott Dixon winning a poll for the third straight year. Yeah, we're going to need to look up things like that. I know Ed Carpenter won it back-to-back years, and we're going to need the list of the handful of others. I think there are two or three or four others that have done that, yep. if I recall, from the last time Ed did that. But nobody Mears free. has. Mears has. Okay. Sneva did. Uh, I think Big Al did maybe, but the point is it's a short list, and and I think you go back in history a little bit further and you had some, but there's not many. What car did you like? Just looking at the cars, what kind of stood out from the uh, new paint schemes and the liveries? Oh, the liveries? I think Santino Ferrucci's is outstanding. Uh, you know, it's it's got an American flag kind of feel to it or or U.S., US you know, feel. Um I'm always partial to the Pennzoil car. I grew up a mirrors guy. So mm-hmm. Sam McLaughlin's in, in yellow is just, just perfect. Um, I, 
I'm really struggling as I watch the monitor to tell which pink car is which. Um, but Kirkwood's being all yep. pink is is a little easier <laughs> to follow. Uh, those are a couple. I, you know, sentimentally, I guess I'm happy that Canapino has got a car that represents his, you know, World Cup winning Argentine team. I think that's just that's cool for him. You know, we don't have we don't have really that same passion for the World Cup as a country as some of the South American countries do. So I can't imagine what pride that must be for for Canapino to 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 wear his country's colors, if you will. So I think that's that's cool, even if 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 I don't uh, find the car kind of the same way. And then all the McLarens are just cool. I've just got to get used to which car is which. Uh, and by the way, I did ask there literally, if it seems like there's 500 people wearing papaya colored orange uh, around are. the garage area, <laughs> yeah, there's there's somewhere around 500. I think of those, I'm going to say, although I'm always partial to Lone Star JR's first all uh, papaya colored that, that Rossi has, I, I really like the more white version that Rosenquist has on the number six, which is representative of their first Formula One winner at Monaco uh, with Alain Prost. And and that's what those all signify significant wins. The uh, five is their 24-hour of Le Mans winner in 95. So it's celebrating the 60th anniversary uh, of McLaren. So a lot of good-looking race cars out there. Most importantly, though, which ones are going to be the fastest? We will continue to find out. We'll get to your Twitter questions, comments. Um, new news, a new special attraction and reason to join us at the Carb Night Burger Bash, uh, the Prime 47 Carb Night Burger Bash. And I always remind people, just because it's the Prime 47 Carb Night, uh, I keep saying Carb Night, that's the way it was many years ago. So I'm not only confusing people with the location, um, but the day. Monday night, Prime 47 Burger Bash uh, at the USAC building in Speedway. It's not downtown at Prime 47. They're coming to us. So that's one thing. And then I'll tell you the other thing that is new this year coming up in just a moment. Trackside 93.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems. A smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Maine, Indianapolis means racing, including big-time racing on the dirt at Circle City Raceway and their all-new clay surface. May 19th, that's Friday, it's the second annual C.J. Rayburn Tribute. $10,000 to win super late models and Boss 410 sprints. May 24th and 25th, it's the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. Discounts for military, first responders, vets, seniors, and teachers. Tickets and info at CircleCityRaceway.com. They present our news of the day, Kurt, which is? Well, it's uh, sad news based on the conditions weather-wise in Italy where 
already there have been deaths from the flooding in in kind of the north central portion of the country in particular. That's the Imola circuit, the town of Imola, which is a little bit east of Bologna, which is kind of right in the middle of that part of the country. But but uh, they've had such flooding that that officials, Formula One officials, decided to cancel the race as to not, you know, detract from the rescue efforts and the cleanup efforts and all the local and uh, regional, um, you know, volunteers that are needed and, and uh, you know, resources that must go to the to the public. So they've made they've taken that very unusual step of, of postponing the event. Uh, at Good. the Ferrari the right circuit, yep. and uh, it's the right thing to do. And and so the next race will be here in a couple weeks on Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. That'll be at Monaco. And so Formula One off this weekend. Okay, yeah, it, that's uh, unfortunate for all involved, but in the circumstances, nothing that can be done and uh, and, and the right thing to do. So before we get back to, to tweets, you're welcome to offer something, question, comment at Kevin Lee. 23 and i'll do a quick refresh and as i mentioned last night too if you have something for our show if you're a listener you can send it in when we ask for tweets during uh the peacock shows but still put a hashtag trackside on it if you want me to circle back to it for the radio show because otherwise it'll get a little bit lost in the shuffle so i have been efforting a new entertainment portion of the prime 47 burger bash presented by peterman heating and cooling uh, at the USAC building next Monday from 6 until 8.30. We've always just basically done a program, and then we simulcast it on the radio for one hour from 7 to 8. But we're on from 6 to 8.15 or whatever. But what that does is it kind of limits us to be able to go around and chat with people the way we'd like because we're doing a show the entire time. So I thought, you know what? There are other shows out there. Let's invite one of them. So Connor Daly and Joey Molinaro are going to do their street uh, Speed Street podcast with Dirty Mo Media. That's Dale Jr.'s group. I've been talking with Mike Davis, who is Dale Jr.'s right-hand man, runs his business, and is a part of that podcast as well with Dale Jr., his podcast. And that's been cleared by them. Connor says he's available. He would have been coming anyway. Joey's available, which is, I think, a, a great story. He was once one of the fill-in producers like Sam is tonight on this program, and now he's a mega superstar that gets appearance money to go to Cubs games and do things like that. So they'll be there doing a live version of Speed Street. They'll record it and post it, but that'll be you know early on in the show. You and I will kick things off, and they'll go from 6.10-ish to 6.45 or so and incorporate some of the driver guests and just kind of do their thing. So I think that's going to be fun and add a little bit of a new twist and allow us to just kind of walk around and chat with people in that first hour. Yeah, there was, you know, it was certainly enjoyable to do two and a half hours worth of a live show, but this will this will kind of give give people a different feel. And, you know, as you've talked all day on Peacock and and I've done the things that I do, people, they can hear from other people as well. Let's be and honest, so, they will. Have, yeah. yeah, they'll have heard enough of me by then. <laughs> You did a good job, though. I think that can't be easy to refresh the story because, you know, people aren't listening for eight hours and you do a good job of kind of resetting the table while not uh, boring the people who have been with you all day. So Hinch was terrific. By the way, we, we haven't really talked about it as much, but I've I've watched the entire Unleashing the Dragon, the Marcus 
Erickson story. Hinch was terrific in that. So if you mm-hmm. haven't seen that on NBC Sports YouTube page, check that out. Hinch was great. Obviously, Marcus Erickson was unbelievable and really dropped some great nuggets uh, for what from when he watched the show or watched the race with Hinchcliffe on this particular day back in February. So really good show. I encourage you to watch it. It was good. And talked with Marcus about that this morning. He's really proud of how that that came out as well. So that's good stuff. Hey, the other thing I want to make sure I remind people of, bring your lawn chairs. Bring bring chairs. It's just a big open parking lot. We will have some chairs set up for the VIPs, those that donate $100 to the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center for outside, and they have access to the Prime 47 free food and drink inside. But everyone else, it's bring your own chair. Uh, show starts at 6 next Monday night. Um, I think we've got some people coming from a driver's standpoint that have not attended before and some teams that honestly thought, well, they're too busy to come. And I think we're going to have a good representation of drivers. So I'm excited about that. And we'll have more details as we move forward. Hashtag trackside on social media. Brian at 500 Indy 1911 says two biggest off track takeaways for me at opening day today. Huge crowd. There are a ton of backup cars. There's enough for 45 entries, in my opinion, need to figure it out. Um, well, it's not the chassis. There are some chassis out there, but you got to have engines. Those are just as expensive. And then you have to have budget to support those entries. And then uh, knowing if you have 45, that means 12, because it's still a million dollars or so to, to field that car. And then if you don't make the race, that's 12 Basically, like we like to say, lighting a million dollars on fire. You'd get some value for it because you have the practice and the lead up, but you need to be in the race. So, yeah, we're not there. Let's try to get to 35 before we worry about 45. Well, but what you hit on is the engines. The engine manufacturers, these two engine manufacturers, do not want to be more than 17 or 18 max. I mean, really, 17 is kind of where they feel like they ought to be. Now, if as we've talked about a hundred times in this show, if they if the manufacturers would have known back in the fall, they could have prepared for it and had the money for it. But still, it's really if we had one more engine manufacturer at this point, we could have more cars, even if it costs a lot to enter. Correct. Paul Dalby at Field of 33 says, "I got to think." 3,450 total laps with 20 cars over 100 laps, including VK at 151, has got to be getting in the ballpark for the all-time daily record. That's crazy. So who can help us with that? I uh, encourage you to send a tweet in. Uh, Our friend Scott Richards did quickly look up back-to-back poll winners, Dixon, last two years, Carpenter, we knew that, 13-14, LEO 9-10, Brayton 95-96, yes, we remember that, Mirrors, as you mentioned, 88-89, Sneva, 77-78, Foyt, Mario, Parnelli, Eddie Sachs, Rex Mays, and Ralph De Palma, the first in 1920 and 21. Terry Callahan says, was Santino's fast lap a toe lap? Oh, yes, it was. Uh, the, the best no-toe lap, 223-ish from Renus VK. And, and there can be some that are more toe-ish than others, if that makes sense. So what is it? Uh, It's 10 seconds, I think, is what they measure. If you're within 10 seconds of the car in front of you, you are not eligible to be considered on that no-toe report. 
Is it 10? I thought maybe it was like more like 7 or 8, but it could be 10 these days. Well, I thought Hinch said today he thought it was 8 and then was corrected by someone that would know that it's 10. So he was on the same uh, – unless I got that backwards, but I think that's what he said, that he thought it was 8 and they now consider it 10 seconds, which is probably why we didn't see a whole lot of cars listed there at times. It's tough. That's almost a straightaway. It, it's eh, That's probably three-quarters of a straightaway, right? Um, but yeah. it's tough to find that kind of a gap. And drivers have told me, if you can see the car anywhere in the straightaway, you're getting still a minuscule bonus on that. Well, it's just, it's like a swirling batch of of air, you know? It's just like you stick your finger in water and you spin it around and, and you create this circular pattern. Well, that's the same thing happening with the air. And so it it would have an effect even if even if you were outside of that, 10 second uh, window yeah but for years it was it was kind of seven eight seconds maximum uh, they may have adjusted it based on information they found so uh, they may have adjusted the bar just a little bit greg green asks is there any scenario during qualification that alex Pillow, even if he qualified 33rd with a slow car would not still be considered a favorite for the 500 well, he's going to be my pick. I picked him be the one guy who could win both races. He's already got the first box checked. I think he'll be terrific in the race. Can he beat Scott Dixon? I don't know. I'm not sure anybody can. If Scott delivers another race like last year, uh, Scott was going to win that race, barring something unusual happening and being just a tick over the speed limit on a pit road uh, entry on lap 175 was enough to doom him. Otherwise, he would have won the race. And I think Pelot was the other guy who, who, you know, had an unfortunate situation coming to pit road early in the race and had to stop under a closed pit. So I think Pelot is going to be outstanding. And I think he'll he'll be in that first row or very close to it in qualifying and he'll race very well. You didn't answer the question, though. He said, what if he qualifies 33rd? So if he qualifies 33rd, that means he does not have the best car, that something has gone wrong, and he would no longer be our pick, but he's not going to qualify 33rd. Yeah, but he's not going <laughs> to the, – the way, though, that you still answer the question is, if he had a problem in qualifying and he you know, snuck into the race at 33rd spot, they would – I mean, that's a team – that I don't care how they end up qualifying, they're going to be good in the race. They just are. they got too many good um, good, good yeah. scenarios. I mean, it depends on the scenario. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen unless he, unless he crashes in sa- Saturday morning and yep. then they just barely get the car put back together and it's not right and he has a puncture on his run at 548 and does not get the best speed out of it, but it's still better than one. Or I guess actually that would be in the last row shootout in that scenario. That's the scenario. It's 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 not going to happen. So if, if he is 33rd, unless it's a unique circumstance, if somehow they all that speed went away, then he's no longer the pick, but that's not going to happen because they are going to be minimum top 15 fast. You know, a different situation would be what if he qualifies 15th because he drew at, you know, he drew 34th and they go out at 245 and it gets warm and sunny on Saturday afternoon 
and he qualifies 13th, 14th, 15th, like Joseph Newgarden did last year. Yep. Is he still your thinking. pick then? Yeah. Yes. Yes, he still And he is. might be. He might be. Yes. And, and I, you know, we'd have more intel at that point because we would see how he did in the Saturday morning practice. Uh, we'd more so know, because I think that's high enough up if you've got a great car. If the car continues to look great in these practice practices, that is high enough up. So that is the scenario where he does not start as well as we would think, and he still might be the favorite or certainly a favorite. I don't know how I can declare the favorite when his teammates are Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, and Takuma Sato. I don't know how yeah. I'm going to uh, define who's the favorite in that group. Well, and that's why I've said, you know, I think we talked about it, but if not, I've said it within my group of people I sit around. Give me Ganassi and you can have the field. I mean, yeah. it's early, but I'll take Ganassi and you can have the field. Chad says, any idea what changed with Rossi other than teams? He seems to have taken more of a leadership role among the drivers in the sport overall and appears to have a more positive outlook. Um, I, I thought he was positive. I, I've just, you know, he, first of all, he's, he's, he's getting older in the sport. He's been around longer. He's, he's, you know, he's just, you know, kind of, we watched him kind of mature and grow up. I mean, it's hard to kind of say that it, you know, because he's really been pretty good from the outset, but he's pretty mature when I, he got here. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think he's he, about the same, honestly. I do too. Now there, there probably is more positivity, and part of that is, hey, sometimes you just need a fresh start. Michael Andretti said that. Um, Alexander Rossi said it. He hadn't won for three plus years. Last year was a lame duck year. He had known for a full year that he was leaving. He just couldn't tell anybody about it. So that alone, and he's joining a team that is on the come. They're on the up, and he's excited that the process is getting better and better. And he knows he's with a good team that can win the Indy 500 uh, even better than the situation that he's had the last couple of years. So, yeah, uh, I've always found Alexander to be locky, uh, very likable, and that's part of sort of the charm that, you know, we all joke, eh, he doesn't like people. But actually he is really good with people and and understands what it is, and I find him to be uh, just fine to deal with. But guys like his buddies Hinch and so forth like to, to give him a little bit of grief about that, and we all have fun. Um, because he's pretty honest. All right, we'll see what we missed and more coming up in just a moment on Trackside. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Scott Dixon, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, final segment, what we missed. I see that Kyle Larson and Jeff Gordon are going to be at the Speedway tomorrow. They've got a press conference. We will effort to have them join us on Peacock tomorrow. Jeremiah asks, are we any closer to a Toyota or any other different manufacturer joining? Uh, Not that I'm aware of, but it's also possible that I wouldn't be aware of that. I'll be really surprised if we get an announcement this May. I've not heard that 
rumor, uh, but I'm hoping I'm wrong and there is something coming. We'll try again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and we'll have coverage on Peacock, noon until 6 tomorrow for day two of practice for the Indianapolis 500. Thanks to Sam for Kurt. I'm Kevin. Uh, Mike and Jake are up next. Beyond the Bricks on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.